Welcome to our Global Scot podcast series, Past, Present and Future Proofing. In this series, we will hear Global Scots draw on personal learnings from their full and varied careers and learn firsthand how their industry has changed over the years. Global Scots celebrates its 20th anniversary in 2021. Like all of those who are invited to join the network, those we will hear from in this series are recognised experts in their field. So please sit back and enjoy this episode. My name is Raji Bhatia. I am a proud member of the Global Scott community. At the current moment, I'm an advisor to uh, three or four different companies, all within the wines and spirits category. My background has been just over 25 years in the Scotch whiskey industry in Scotland, traveling around the world and promoting Scotch whiskey to both consumers who enjoy it and also convincing those who may not have tried it in the past. From a Scottish point of view, Scots have always been very entrepreneurial and also in terms of traveling around the world. And this goes back for centuries. Uh, and you find uh, Scottish communities all around the world who are delighted to sort of see you when you come over with your, as I say, basket of wares to offer them. But international business has always been an important sort of aspect of the Scottish community as well. We have 5 million people in Scotland, but there's bigger markets all around the world. And of course, traditionally, or historically, it may have been Europe, which was closer to home. But then I also feel there are profitable markets and bigger markets further afield. But that's where the challenges come in, because people feel Europe being closer, it's easier to get to. Whereas if you're going to somewhere like India or China, it can be language, it can be bureaucratic hurdles, taxes, duties, etc. So having somebody who can maybe has local knowledge always makes it easier to hold hands and sort of guide you through. And I guess from Inverhouse in those days, there was a lot of interest from India at that point in time because there were changes in the market itself. But a lot of the Indian businesses were looking for joint ventures and investment, which given sort of, again, the base of the Scotch whiskey industry with a lot of small and medium-sized companies, that was maybe not necessarily the right route for them to enter the market. You look at direct exports, which is, which is an easier option where... You send the goods and you get paid for it. But then when you're looking at uh, either producing in an overseas market or having a joint venture, that then has different complications and you need a lot more support for that. For me personally, being somebody who was born and brought up in India, educated in India, and then in 1996 breaking into the Scotch whiskey industry here in Scotland. And I was never made to feel as somebody you know, who was here from overseas, who is very much a family feel to the what was four Scots who were the chairman, managing director, and the sales director and operations director. I had India as a market to start with, but I think one of the biggest personal highlights for me was in 96 August when the managing director at that point in time at Inverhouse said to me, well, I've been looking after South Africa for all these years, and now why didn't you take the market over from me? It was 92 or 93, Nelson Mandela had been released from Robben Island. And there was me heading out just after the 1995 Rugby World Cup when South Africa won the Rugby World Cup and me heading out in August 96 and landing in, in Cape Town and being hosted by people. Such a warm welcome. But even to be told 
five years ago, ten years ago, you may not have been able to go into that restaurant or you might have been on this side of the street. And, and I think it just brought closer to home the challenges that communities overseas had to uh, put up with. And I think despite those challenges, they've overcome. And I, I guess for me, that was a real lesson that actually, even me starting off in the Scotch whiskey industry, there was a lot of opportunities. And that's how I looked at it. So that was 96. And 98 was the Asian financial crisis. But in 2002, again, I was asked to head off for Inverhouse to Asia, never having been in that part of the world before other than attending exhibitions. And going to Taiwan and looking at business development opportunities for the company. Somebody who became a friend of mine, uh, Reggie Wu, who used to work for uh, Scottish Trade International, he was the man in Taiwan. And uh, here I was heading off. Uh, he had done a little MIE, market information inquiry, for me, and meeting customers with him. And off the top of my head, I think Reggie was either an MBA from Strathclyde or Edinburgh. I know, I know, I've got, I should get that right, because... There was a friendship that blossomed, and uh, Taiwan became a, a great market for us. It was, again, relationships, and that's, from a cultural point of view, that was maybe my Indian sort of background coming in in terms of the cultural side of things, being able to bridge those gaps. And I've always enjoyed people. I think that's very important. Uh, business is always done by people and with people, and it's important that we remember that. 2005, I was made a keeper of the quake, which was an honor from the Scotch whiskey industry. So a lot of wonder, wonderful highlights on the professional side. Over my 25 years in the Scotch whiskey industry, it's been two companies, Inverhouse, and then in 2009, I was headhunted by William Grants, which again being one of the largest sort of family-run businesses in Scotland. And uh, although they had their commercial teams based in Richmond and London, they were very kind to allow me to be based up here in, in Scotland. So I've been very fortunate. And then in 2015, I was invited to become a master of the quake, which is the highest honor the Scotch whiskey industry uh, can offer you, as a, you know, for, for your services as an ambassador for the industry. When I started in the industry, a lot of the distilleries were either had been mothballed or were in the process of being mothballed because there, there just wasn't the demand. But from seeing distilleries being mothballed to today, seeing the demand for Scotch whiskey that has grown all over the world. And we, we've got passionate distributors, customers, uh, you know, who enjoy or enjoy the wonderful whiskies that we make in Scotland. And again, some of the part that people like myself have played in a small way in terms of getting the whiskey out to uh, markets around the world, whereas there's this competition around the world as well. So again, when I started, from distilleries being closed through to seeing independent uh, houses, families coming in and reopening distilleries, getting licenses to uh, restore distilleries that have been mothballed, investment coming from overseas. And then now just seeing the Scotch whiskey distillers themselves uh, reopening some of the distilleries that they had uh, closed down with a lot of investment going. And there's recently Diageo has uh, you know, spent almost 40 million pounds in opening uh, Brora and Kleinleach distillery. So it's wonderful to see them coming back to life again. But also some of the consolidation within the industry. So you found either family distillers being taken over by the, the big companies. And while that's good, that's also not so good because there's families that have generations that have come through. They look longer term. They invest for the future. They look after their, their people. That's not to say the bigger companies don't. But it's just a different kind of mindset 
And I think that's very important. That investment is there in Scotland from uh, businesses in Scotland for the future. The production was one side of it, but also challenges in overseas markets. So today you can see whiskey from uh, the U.S., American whiskey, you've got Japanese whiskey, you've got Indian whiskey, you've got Taiwanese whiskey, uh, there's whiskey coming from Europe. So these are all, uh, there's Irish whiskey, sorry, how could I forget that? So these are all competitors for Scotch whiskey brands. And the moment a consumer picks up a glass of uh, an Irish or an American or a Japanese whiskey, they may not be drinking a Scotch whiskey. So these are also challenges for us. Brexit is a big challenge. Now that's much more recent. We still haven't seen the repercussions of that, and I guess that's still got to flow through. COVID is something that's, again, caught a lot of people by surprise. You know, we've been through SARS and other sort of uh, viruses in the past, and that was Asia-specific, but COVID has been a more global crisis. You can't have a conversation without uh, generation, uh, the millennials and Gen X and Gen Z, etc. And I have a few Gen Zs in my family. So they are now looking at what is the authenticity of the product? Where is it coming from? Who's behind it? How are you making it? Uh, the raw materials? Are you sort of using renewable energy? And that is a big challenge. And I guess that's something that businesses are going to have to take on board. Because if they don't, the danger is that they're not going to have consumers or fewer consumers, because uh, today people want to know that. And I think that's also both a challenge and an opportunity. And when you look at it from a Scottish point of view, and maybe just looking at the boom in gin in Scotland, now, it was always about London dry gin and, uh, and gins overseas. But in Burhouse, I remember when I was just moving on from there, and they launched Karoon Gin, which is distilled up at Palmenic Distillery. And, and then I moved to William Grant's, where we had Hendrix. And that, again, was it's something that's just been, it's seen a renaissance in, in super premium gin. People sort of thought, why would you buy a gin at, if you look at the airports, maybe $45, $50 or £50 pounds a bottle. And today, it's wonderful to see all the gin that's being distilled and bottled in Scotland and being exported around the world. So a lot of that is also craft. And it's because consumers are looking at not necessarily big is beautiful, but actually, small is wonderful. In 2012, I was invited to become a Global Scot. It's been very special. And of course, for me, it was not just a recognition, but it was also what was I going to give back? Because with all, with all these things, it's, it's not just about having something where you're recognized, but it's also because you are going to support other businesses to make the jump as well from Scotland out into the big wide world. And so as a global Scot, I've been, I'd like to think uh, that I've been a very active member of the community. And I've, I've played my part in assisting uh, quite a few companies to make the jump into overseas markets. Over the years, what's been really special is being asked by the network to assist with some of the companies. Could be confectionery, could be uh, health drinks, even whiskey itself. And the questions can range from, it could be maybe how do you get into a market through to finding a new distributor, through to maybe even specific customers. Uh, because, again, I've worked with a range of customers in overseas markets and 
quite recently, I was I was asked to help uh, one of the companies that remains anonymous, of course, uh, and they were looking at a confectionery product. It was a, a company in India, and they said, uh, and I, so I was contacted, would I know the company? And I said, not only do I know them, but I've, I've worked with them for uh, 20 years of my life. I know the family there. So I was able to then ask some questions of the company, just sort of maybe highlight some of the concerns that the, the company in Scotland had. And that was in December last year, in the COVID crisis, when, of course, you couldn't meet anybody. It was all being done virtually. And it was fantastic because we had a positive result. And the company understood the concerns, they placed an order, but they also made sure that there was a letter of credit in place so the payment was secure. Because it's great to ship something, but if you don't get paid, then it's not really worthwhile. So it worked out very well. And, and of course, for me, it was wonderful just to be able to see that I'd made that connection. In terms of Scotland, having been involved with the Scotch Whiskey Association, which is the industry body, and that makes sure that Scotch whiskey companies, again, thrive. They break down the barriers in international markets because there's always taxation, high taxation issues. And very recently, it's only in the last uh, four or six weeks where the new Biden administration in the U.S. has decided to remove the tariffs the 25% tariffs that have been placed on uh, single malt exports to the U.S., which has been quite devastating over the last 12 to 18 months for many of the Scotch whisky distillers. So delighted to see that. But that's, again, a role I've played with the Scotch Whisky Association on their India Working Group, which was to lobby the Indian government to try and open up uh, the market. And it's, it's wonderful to see India now in the top 10 export markets for Scotch whisky around the world. People building relationships with uh, with and I never consider them to be customers. It's always partnerships. It's relationships and it's friends. And to see repeat business because the first order is nice to have. But my my chairman at uh, Inverhouse always said to me, Rajiv, wonderful you got the first order, but it'd be even nicer when you get the second one. And he said, don't worry about how big it is or how small it is. hope you've enjoyed this episode in our Global Scott podcast series. If you'd like to find out more about the Global Scott Network, you can visit us at www.globalscott.com.